I might say to one of my clients, okay, when I press here, what do you feel? And they go, I don't know. And they're saying, I don't know. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a medical answer. I'm going, yes, it is. The I don't know says they're in their head and they're not able to feel the body. And that's part of, that's not the whole issue. There could be, you know, a joint issue there. There could be a, a circulation problem. There could be a nervous system thing. The body's still got its work to do, but the I don't know is telling you clearly. It's telling me clearly, my brain isn't able to process your touch on that hip joint or that neck area. Hey, how are you? I'm so glad you're here with me. Well, today I have a guest with me who <laughs> does it all. <laughs> and he came from a very interesting background and What's really cool is that he's basically taken what he thought wasn't going to work out and he put it together in the most unusual way. And so his approach is unique <laughs> and it's integrative. And I think that's key. And I think that is what's so fascinating. And I think it is something that we need more of. We need more integration of techniques and modalities and therapies and approaches. And that's what he does. And um, he even did a little bit of a demo on me virtually, which was really fascinating. And we actually went on and on and on. So I actually did shorten the demo on here for your sake. Um, but it was so helpful. And to be able to see how he takes this approach and how he integrates not just the physical and physiological but the energetic and then maybe the emotional mental story really makes sense and it resonated with me and it actually like during the demo it made me realize some stuff and put things together that I wasn't putting together so I found that so helpful and I think that you will too. Well, Paul Wellen is an integrative therapist, healer, and thought leader with 25 years of experience. He is a licensed massage therapist plus a certified Qigong and yoga teacher. He teaches bodywork and holistic health at ICOHS College here in San Diego, and he has taught psychology and communication at Argosy University in San Diego. He is also the organizer for the Integrative Health Community, bringing practitioners together to create wellness events. That link would be in the description of this episode as well as my link tree. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get on with the message. All right. Well, welcome, Paul. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Hi, Sway. So great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Sway. A lot of people just like really like try to focus on the, the you know, my official name, Lori. But, you know, I love hearing people call me Sway because that is my <laughs> nickname. So thank you. It's a great name. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we are just going to jump right into this. Um, okay. We, I like to uh, kind of backtrack a little bit and get to know you a little bit more. And I think like who you used to be kind of shapes who you are now. And so let's start with who was Paul as a child? What was your experience like growing up? Uh, great question. I feel blessed in a lot of ways, uh, being raised by parents that love me and um, having a brother that cared for me and being raised back east. I got to enjoy the snow and the things that here in San Diego I don't enjoy because I'm glad that my life is here now. But, you know, I would just go sledding and it's, in the winter and go fishing in the summer. And uh, it was a great place to grow up. So in that light, I'm appreciating that I've healed a lot so I can appreciate the good and not just focus on the challenges of my childhood, um, of which I consider there were many, but many, many blessings from those challenges. That's when someone's healed more, they can see both sides. When they haven't healed, they just see the bad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like it is good to see the blessings and see the goodness out of the struggles that you've been through. So mm -hmm. that's wonderful though. Okay. So you, you've mentioned that you have had some challenges and that you've done some healing. So have you had personal experiences with trauma? Uh, my childhood, I think, was very traumatic. Uh, well, my father was very loving, but he had not healed his pains. 
from his parents and I'm sure generations of our ancestors, which is another story. And, you know, in my compassion for him, uh, he did the best he could. In my, you know, the angers I felt towards him and the, the rage and the pain and the low self-worth that I was raised with from the abuse I felt I took from him, I hold the compassion and still also allow myself to feel the angers, which might be helpful for people listening to this. Okay. And so that was kind of the the, the ancestral or, or generational patterns that had been carried on through, uh, mm-hmm. through your father. And so even though you felt like your father was a very loving person, there were still some things that he unknowingly was carrying with him that kind of, you know, segued into your life. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Um, and then kind of jumping ahead, we can kind of talk about the in-between here, but um, your first choice was becoming a psychotherapist. You can kind of fill in the gaps between, you know, your childhood and everything coming a psychotherapist, but, um, you did end up obtaining your master's, but you just didn't choose to get licensed and pursue it. So mm-hmm. with us all of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm laughing because I'm just instantly going back into how that period of my life shaped everything. Um, so I'll see if I can help your readers get a sense of this. Um, I love the idea of psychotherapy um, and I was specializing in family therapy, given what I was raised with, which was parents that were intending to be loving and parents who just didn't have the skills or tools to raise me and my brother and then my sister to um, know how to communicate and live and listen to each other and deal with the upsets that come with every family or every marriage. You know, they just didn't have the skills, and that's my compassion. They both meant well. Question? I have a question, actually. So you you have a you had a brother and a sister. So where are you? Where do you fall? Are you the youngest, middle, oldest? I'm the middle. Okay. Uh, my brother's the oldest. My okay. Sometimes, like you know, middle middle child versus uh, oldest or youngest can have different traits and and qualities as well, depending on mm-hmm. where you fall in the siblings category. So, okay. I was just curious. So psychotherapy, you were basically pulled to it because of like where you came from in life. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh yeah. There was many levels. One is I wanted to help and serve and I was drawn to work with people, although I was very shy in many cases. I had some confidence in some areas, but often very reserved and careful and because I felt I was hurt a lot. So here I was trying to become this great psychotherapist. And my role model was like Fritz Pearl with Gestalt therapy, if you knew that area. Mm-hmm. And inspiring to be like him, although I was so far at that moment from the confidence that he seemed to display and the expertise. Um, but that inspired me. And then also subconsciously, I could then heal my own family by becoming an expert in family therapy. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Of we, so, we whip out like the magic wand and you know just bippity boppity boo right yeah so easy well actually got a bit more more in my, amazing um the story if you want me to share it um i when the when you go to into psychotherapy you're basically supposed to get your own therapy of course mm-hmm. that was how it used to be now it seems like it's changed but that's another story i can talk about that some other time but back then i was like okay you got to get therapy well, I started, I got involved in a Gestalt group. Gestalt was one of the most popular types of therapy, but this was actually a um, experiential group that they used to call encounter groups in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. It was not a traditional licensed psychotherapist. It was where you work on your psychological issues, but in a more of a group setting, humanistic uh, new agey kind of thing. Okay. So that was a blessing for me because I got the benefit of being uh, getting work on myself and I dang well needed it. So <laughs> much work. And I wanted to run it out, out of that group so many times. It was so confronting and threatening for me because my ego was so strong. Um, I survived it. And in the, in the process of surviving it, I fell in love with the way they worked and it was psychotherapy to me, but it was also the spiritual thing and it opened doors for me. I'm excited. Let me know if I should slow down. I get so excited. Yeah. I mean, seeing that there was this other side to what they call psychology that wasn't in traditional, there was glimpses of it. And I said, well, this is why I love psychology. This is where psychology is going. 
So I'm like so much in this group and loving the people there and trying to run for my life because they're trying to break my ego down (laughs) and get me to my heart and get me to my soul. And I'm like so scared of going there. No, don't let me be vulnerable. No. (laughs) Yes, anything but that. And yet I didn't leave. You know, a lot of people when they're faced with, okay, you have your ego or you get loved, but you have to risk being hurt when you're being loved. I survived it, but I certainly followed it the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, it was a great inspiration for me. And then what happened is I got kicked out of the family therapy program. And I don't know if I should say the name of the school is here in town. No, it's, it's okay. It's, what happened? <laughs> what? I kind of want to let them know that they really missed an opportunity with me by throwing me out. And oh. it also, in the life-changing pain of it, it was part of the inspiration for life force therapy because okay. if I had not been thrown out, I might've got my license and still been exploring this other thing. But because it was like, okay, either you choose traditional or you choose this new agey thing. And it's like, no way I'm going back to traditional. No way. I'm going to anybody in this path who does traditional therapy. It's fabulous. I don't judge anyone who that's their calling. We need psychotherapists. We need people who can really do that type of work. And it's not like, well, one's better than the other. But I knew my calling and I knew what I was meant to do. Not the whole picture, but at that point, it's like, yeah, I'm going in this direction. But if I have to choose, I'm letting that one go. So what? why were you thrown out? Um, I would say from there's always an internal reason things happen. It's never, oh, I was a victim. No way. Um, from the school's point of view, they might have had our justification to challenge whether I should graduate from the university and get my license, get my certificate, the, you know, and then a license. They might have been justified, but the way they handled it, uh, I want to say, I want to say the word sucked. <laughs> okay. it, they didn't say, well, we're going to review right now. We don't feel like you're meeting the qualifications to be a, a certified um graduate of this university that's totally reasonable here's the things that you're required to do and you're falling short you have three months to do this that would be totally reasonable they they brought me in in front of the head of the family therapy program very well known and he said you're not cut out for this program and then he looked at me in the eye and he said you're not meant to work with people paul don't even think about working with people (laughs) i mean talk about here's my father again say you're not good enough you're not oh, going to use gum. You're not good enough. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> so I recreated my family in the family therapy program. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but I was in shock when all that happened. And the little boy, Paul, that was like so excited. Is, oh, my God. When my dream's gone they, again, somebody's taken away my life, taken away my dream. So, yeah, well, that 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 opened a door for you, though. That opened a door. So what shifted for you then? So you left. And you, but you did obtain your master's, it sounded like, right? They gave me a master's, but they said it's a terminal master's, which means you can't now go on to get a PhD or an MFCC. You can't do this next step thing to make it into this career. You're done with psychology. I'm sure I could have gone around it, you know. Another university probably would have taken me and said, oh, well, you know, that wasn't very cool how they handled that. Um, and, you know, so it's like they, that I said, well, I don't even want to just go back into psychology and have to conform to that. If it means giving up this vision of another type of way of working with people, I won't yeah. do it. And you're not the only one because I've had, especially I've had other guests on mm. here that have done the same thing. They've gone through, they used to be psychologists and, and whatnot and mental health therapists, and they left that. They dropped their license because they knew it was very limiting and mm. what people needed could not be delivered in a uh limited manner you know yeah. and so yeah absolutely like and i i commend you for like realizing that there there was so so much more to it and to break yeah. away from that so when did you like okay maybe you were kind of like devastated at first and you kind of mm-hmm. felt like your dad was talking to you but <laughs> when did you come out of it going I do want to work with people and I can, and I'm going to do this. So let's talk about that segue into basically what you do now. Okay. So I'm going to just summarize that period of time rather than going through the whole stretch of like feeling wandering around lost, you know, like now what do I do? Is my life over? You know, I was pretty young then. So um, to make a long story short, I'm in the Santa Barbara area in California. And obviously the whole region gets wildfires. And they had a wildfire up there, a pretty big one. 
And then they were saying, well, we need volunteers to give massages to the firefighters because mm. they've been on the line for 15 hours or three days in a row, you know, and uh, any kind of help we can get. And I thought, well, I've never done massage. I don't really know about even touching bodies, but I'd love to help out. I just want to help because, you know, the whole city was like frozen, like what's going to happen to the city if it's going to burn down or something. So I'd love to help. Um, I didn't work on the firefighters, but I did work on some of the people that lost their house. Oh. And, you know, I'm doing this work. I'm just rubbing their shoulders or their back or their neck. And I didn't even have training in massage. I just said, well, let me do what I can do. And I was talking to them about their, their houses and the fire and the fear. And I'm going, well, I'm doing my psychotherapy right now. Maybe I'm not licensed anymore. Maybe, you know, I don't get credit CEUs for doing this. But to talk to these people and at the t- one of the more difficult times of their life, they're lost their possessions. Maybe their animal is gone or they have to relocate. And I'm able to talk to them and also rub their body and give them a little bit of relief. This is pretty cool. So maybe this is my direction. And I wasn't sure, but <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very gratifying experience. And then I thought, well, what do I do now? And I did pursue, okay, let me go to massage school. Okay, but, you know, I was thrown out of a psychotherapy school so i had to work through about going to another school so you pursued (laughs) massage therapy Mm -hmm. and you got licensed or certified as a massage therapist and then what well it wasn't quite that that straight line i was kicked out of massage school too (laughs) (laughs) wow you are just a troublemaker And I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't smoking pot that would like, you know, or or messing around with the females. I wasn't anything like that. It was, it was, um, I, I don't want to say this without betraying the name of the school. They're out of business, but it was supposed to be a school that wanted you to work intuitively. But then she took me and to, to the carpet and said, I, I question you should be a massage therapist because you're working intuitively. <laughs> Now, I was pretty, pretty, you know, you're dealing with a, a person, me, and this, you say, why did this happen to you for both schools? The internal thing is, it's like from my upbringing and being, feeling abused by my father, and I didn't feel protected by my family with the abuse. Um, and then I'm trying to heal it in family therapy program. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of, a lot of stuff to go, even in the, yeah, in the personal growth group, the, the healing group I was in, I was doing great work and getting breakthroughs, but I have so much ego, so much defensiveness. I mean, <laughs> it's, it feels really good to say that one of my greatest gifts, I think, is that I am able to laugh at myself. Usually, I, have yeah. <laughs> I can laugh at myself and I can say, in most cases, you know, once in a while, it's like I'm defensive like everybody else. But I can look and say, yeah, um, my ego, my fear, my need to control. That's yeah. me. I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast can relate to this. If you can't, well, <laughs> maybe you need a session. Sure. I am pretty sure. It's, it sounds familiar for sure. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, so you're a troublemaker. No, <laughs> but you you don't see a straight line. You don't you don't see things linearly. And you you kind of look outside and that intuitive approach back then wasn't appropriate. Is that what you're saying? Because like now, like I've been through a massage school and being an intuitive massage therapist is completely fine. But like maybe back then, well, maybe depending on the school that you went to, it was more of like, no, you need to be following this protocol. (laughs) So yeah, that would say being raised in a house where the male energy, the yang energy, as I call it from the Eastern approach, the yang energy is trying to be dominant. And there's some good to that. You know, if there isn't strong male energy in a family or in a business or corporation, then it could fail. But if this dominant male energy is trying to destroy the female intuitive energy, then the yin-yang balance is destroyed. Yes. By the way, thank you for saying yang. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. (laughs) Maybe a lot of people don't know that it's yang. It's yin and yang. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm an energy healer. I better say it right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, good for you though. Like for, to be able to like, you know, follow what feels right for you and following mm-hmm. your intuition. And like, I think that's where people really gain a sense of who they are, what they mm-hmm. want to do, and then be able to provide that for other people in a very genuine place um, and not leading by the ego, even though like it can be hard <laughs> to control sometimes. Yeah. Okay. 
And then, um, and you got into yoga as well, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. At first it was very difficult. I had no body awareness and I was, you know, I was ashamed about my body and then just sticking with it and sticking with it. And then once you get past the first couple layers of embarrassment, oh, look at those flexible people over there, you know, and they all look so handsome or beautiful. And I'm like feeling like my self-image isn't so great. I can't even touch my knees. Watch those anyway, um, I stayed with it and I started feeling more powerful. And I not only was it powerful, it gave me a sense of an identity of like separate from my family or society. Oh, this is Paul's world, yoga, you know, and I work out every day. Not now, I'm so busy, but um, I try to do a, my yak practice every day, meditation and qigong and breathing. This is my life. I have an identity that feels good. Uh, meditation and uh, the, the healing techniques and the, the masters that I study with. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's fabulous. And then, so this brought you into a place um, that you started to come into your own and really realizing how you wanted to help others. So let's talk about what you offer now, how all of that led to what you do now. And when you had that moment of this is what I want to do. Okay. So let's start with why was I kicked out of both schools and um, have trouble with authority figures? I resist and rebel because I did that to survive with my dad. And the dad becomes a projection of society and the male energy. So it's like, okay, Paul, you're, you're, you're doing good to protect yourself by finding your own identity, but you also have to make peace with um, the masculine energy and being in the world, the traditional world. Mm -hmm. So I, instead of starting to reject everything about psychology and biology, I started to embrace it and saying, I'll never be, a great biologist who knows everything or a massage therapist like I do, I don't know all the muscles or origin insertion point. My students probably know way more in their school than what I ever got. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned enough to know enough about the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments and the, the central nervous system and to learn about the organ system. And I'm a generalist. I'm brilliant at being a generalist. But if you wanted to compare me to a physical therapist or a chiropractor and their knowledge, no way, man, they're, they're way beyond me. And yep. they need that. We want an expert to work on our body, including a doctor, a physician. So I started to embrace it at the level I could of saying, instead of resisting because they're not open to my world, I'm going to learn as much as I can from my ability to learn the medical approach, the chiropractic approach. Um, what I do in physical therapy, I learned as a generalist, what are they trying to achieve with the body? And what I learned in massage school, and I'm so grateful even that it didn't work out at that moment. I did end up getting licensed in a massage school, and now I teach at one, and I did teach at a psychology at a university. So that's part of the story I didn't share. Oh, great. Yeah. And, um, I did end up teaching the same fields that I was thrown out of. Oh. So I thought that was kind of a karmic <laughs> accomplishment. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> so I'm teaching at the massage school here in San Diego. It's been my third year now, and it's been a great experience. And with a great experience, it's been everything from mass incredible joy to incredible difficulty and trying to teach the all the muscles what I only know as a general <laughs> the ones I think I need <laughs> yeah and I did it somehow I did it and I, my students are getting from me probably more than anybody they'll ever get in terms of how to work with a person as a as a heart and a soul and their muscular issues their spinal issues their range of motion don't forget there's a person in that body mm -hmm. and there's a personality. And yeah. so I blend the psychology of the person with the physical of the person and their alignment, as I call it, their posture, their structure. Those are my words for like, what's going on with them? Yeah. And then the, the, the emotional heart, compassion. We all want love. We all want understanding. And that's part of the muscular issue, too. Mm -hmm. And most schools like massage school, you don't talk about that. Wait, wait, no, just get into the trigger point and that's it. <laughs> I found it ironic when I was in massage school. And then of course I I've taught at massage schools as well oh, wow. is that um, even though, and it, it depends on like where you are, because I know that California can be a little bit more open to kind of mm. 
crossing and interweaving this, but up in Washington state where I'm from, oh no, they're very strict. This is your little box as a massage therapist. You can't, mm. you can't, um, d- give like specific exercises. You uh, can't talk about energy. You can't work with energy. Um, And I'm like, but it says in the massage book that we're working with people's energy and chi. Like (laughs) (laughs) something doesn't quite go together. So yeah. So for me, I always, I, if I catch a contradiction, I'm like, you know what, then I'm just going to do what feels right for me. And that's when I integrated like Reiki energy work. And I just Mm -hmm. melded the two together so and it worked but yeah <laughs> um so we're totally on the wavelength and i did live up, live up in washington state too i did so you what amazing part? i was in arlington okay that's way up north yeah i was uh, in- worked in everett if you know where everett okay. is yeah. <laughs> i was from tacoma i lived in seattle for a little bit but oh wow tacoma. cool yeah you got to see mount rainier when the clouds oh, were- all the time every day <laughs> Great. I do miss that. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now let's talk about this, this, this um, integration that you offer now. So just mm-hmm. kind of um, explore that a little bit. But what I really want you to answer first is you bring up the biology and science behind stuff and you do have an understanding of like the, the asking of why, why this is happening for somebody. So how does biology and science, why are they important for your approach? And um, what, like, you know, when it comes to understanding like the blockages that people have and how it can vary. When a client comes to me for a massage, they come to my office and yeah, I heard about you or um, you're a massage therapist and I got, I've got the shoulder thing going on or I've had this tightness for a few months now, or uh, I notice that I'm tired a lot. So they come to me with a symptom and it could be any symptom. And the first thing I'm going to do is of course, welcome them. And I want to hear their story. I'll say, well, when did this start? They call that soap notes. You know that and soap notes in the medical world and some massage therapists use it if they work in a medical setting. Those in a spa aren't going to use it, but you know, you understand that language. Soap notes for the formality. When it, when did this start and what caused it? Did you have an accident? Did you have an injury? So basically to summarize your question, I start exactly with what they give me. I've had this left hip pain for a few months now. Okay. I asked the question, when did it start? What do you think caused it? Now, how does that hip pain affect you? Can you work? Is it trouble affecting sleep? Is it affecting your stress levels? They're beginning to tell me a story now. And I want to know the whole story. So I'll spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I go even an hour in that story because I'll do coaching first in the integrative work. Rather than say, get on the massage table and I'll work out that hip. That works great too. I get massages. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. But knowing the story, now that story connects to their, their stresses. It connects to um, their hopes and dreams, their fears. These little things that most doctors wouldn't consider, there's a clue to why that hip's not healing. Mm-hmm. And it could be starting with the structure of the hip. It could be the muscular. It could be the joint. It could be radiating as a trigger point down to the knee. A bone issue could be coming back up. And then there's what I call the stuck spot. And I teach it in my massage classes now. Mm-hmm. They call it a trigger point, but the trigger point is talking about anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. The stuck spot is going to take the anatomy and physiology. Okay, what is that muscle there? Okay, and what about the intercostals? How are they affected? And then there's the breathing. And now there's the emotional part of it. And now how are they thinking about it? Are they judging themselves? Are they um, getting irritated that they can't get rid of it? Or is it making them work harder? And then we get into the energetics and that'll be towards the end of the session. And I'm doing this assessment through the whole thing. How are they relating to their body? Are they feeling it? Are they feeling their emotions? Are they thinking about it? Are they blocking it? This is why they have something that's not healing. Now, let me see if I need to clarify anything or. No, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, You know, when you say that you listen to their story, oftentimes, uh, especially coming from a point of view of a massage therapist, but I think also with, you know, doctors and and physicians and uh, mental health therapists, too, is that their time is cut. Like it Mm -hmm. is so squished together because, again, like the the demand is more than Mm -hmm. the supply. But in our case, like we know that. Uh, if you are working for a clinic that has like 
15 minute turnaround time or five minute turnaround time or no turnaround time, you're like, I don't even get a chance to like understand what's going on with the client and educate them. Right. That's me. Like I can't operate that way. I need time to understand the ins and outs of this person to better address their issue and to educate them afterwards on what they can, what's going on, what they can do. And so I absolutely like love that you are taking the, you want to hear the story. You want to understand the story and connect Mm -hmm. the dots um that's so helpful and then um allowing yourself to kind of like have these layers with your approach um and basically it's kind of like it's client guided in a sense because you're really just trying to um feel understand hear what they're going through and how they want to come out of it and so Mm -hmm. they're they're really guiding it and it's not like okay, well, I know what's best for you. And you know, you're not coming in with your ego and you're putting the client first. That's really good. Thank you again for being here today and tuning into the Healing Compass podcast. I hope you're finding this episode valuable in some way. If I can reach just one person, my purpose is fulfilled. While I'm not a mental health expert, I am working toward a PhD in biopsychology and neuroscience, and my goal is to bring on others to support my cause. To keep informed and to help support me in return, please subscribe to my podcast and you will be notified of newly released episodes. And I encourage you to share my podcast with others and let them know how it has impacted your life. Also, I don't know about you, but I'm not fond of listening to podcasts with so many sponsored advertisements. I want to avoid becoming one of these podcasts. And so with your support, I can continue bringing you insightful messages and helpful resources for well-being, especially if you are able to donate today. Even if it's just $1, anything can be a thoughtful contribution to keep me going. Just visit my link tree, which is at Healing with Sway. The link is found in the description of this episode and the podcast, and then just click on donate. My Linktree also has links to some very helpful resources as well as scientific sources on various therapies, mental health, and human biology neuroscience mentioned in my episodes and beyond. I have prioritized links to crisis lines and websites at the top of my page, so please don't be afraid to reach out if you need help. I want to remind you that most of my guests, whether they work in the San Diego or beyond, allow me to include their information in the episode descriptions so that you may look into them further. Also, be sure to visit my website, healingwithsway.com, for the services I offer and upcoming events that I host, both virtually and in the San Diego area. Lastly, I want to hear from you. If you have a question to submit, have a topic suggestion, or would like to be a guest on my podcast, please reach out to me via email. It's healingwithsway, all one word, healingwithsway at outlook.com. All right, let's get back to today's message. Um, And then I like that you talk about the blockages, and I'm sure that you would agree that the, the, phrase that's always said is the issues are in the tissues <laughs> is that this blockage that you're saying is there's there's something between the brain and the body that's not quite connecting to allow this to heal allow it to give and so that's what you're addressing right mm-hmm. i could give an example that happens a lot i might say to one of my clients or uh somebody could say to the patient okay when i press here what do you feel and they go i don't know and they're saying, I don't know. And it's like, okay, well, that's not a medical answer. I'm going, yes, it is. The I don't know says they're in their head and they're not able to feel the body. And that's part of, that's not the whole issue. There could be, you know, a joint issue there. There could be a, a circulation problem. There could be a nervous system thing. The body's still got its work to do. But the I don't know is telling you clearly. It's telling me clearly. My brain isn't able to process your touch. Mm-hmm. on that hip joint or that neck area the sternocleidomastoid the brain body disconnection right area. and so that, that tells could you, that tells you how disconnected they are from their brain mm-hmm. and their body right totally and that disconnection i want to know a bit more i don't just say oh they're disconnected we're all disconnected sometimes i have some days i'm really feeling it it's like i don't even know what i'm feeling and i'm teaching this stuff but i right. don't know what i'm feeling <laughs> so, you know now i'm totally in my feelings and i should be more clear in my mind so anyway getting back to um 
pressing into their, say, their sternocleomastoid or pressing into their uh, trochanter, and they're going, I, I don't know what I'm feeling. Okay, take a brief, deep breath. Is the disconnection that your mental perception of the touch is off? Is it that your cognitive awareness is off? Is it that the body itself isn't feeling and it, the brain doesn't know how to communicate because of that? Or is it a throat chakra blockage? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did, did that make sense or should I go over that? Yeah. Again? And the throat chakra for people listening, we're talking about like the energy centers of the body. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's so wise to be asking those questions because you're getting, you're really just trying to help the client get to the root of things and make that connection because sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard for them to catch connect they don't know where to start again they don't know mm -hmm. what they're supposed to be feeling or what they feel and and uh you know uh understanding what could be happening um is so helpful and then you also brought up life force patterns let's let's dig into that a little bit because uh, that sounds so fascinating understanding mm -hmm. life force patterns of people okay so i'm just going to summarize what we had just talked about that um when we work with people, you've done massage therapy, we want to start with, if there's pain, I'm not going to get into this intellectual stuff. No, I want to go right to their pain. Let me work that hip or let me work the uh, the cervical area, the back or whatever it is. And I'm working there and I'm going, okay, and I'm sensing this and I may be asking questions of them or checking their breathing. I'm starting where they need me to go. Then I'm starting to map it. Okay, where does it go to? Whether I don't care what part of the body and what kind of pain, almost always there's going to be um, it's going to connect to something else. Mm -hmm. And it could be a physical structure. It could be the breathing is blocked. It could be an emotional block, but it could be food. So mm -hmm. often it ends up even like, okay, are you eating inflammatory foods? And now you've got a little inflammation in that greater trochanter area or something like that. So I'm beginning to link those two or three or four areas. Now you're mentioning life force. Then I begin to look at the bigger picture of the energy. What is this energy pattern telling me? about the greater trochanter and the, the trapezius. And then it's also affecting the, the range of motion in the elbow. And now it's also their digestion is off. Whatever their map is, what's the energy of this? There's a story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was in family therapy, what I love was family systems because it told the story of the family, which was so relieving for me to be raised in a family where I was I was the problem so often, or I was trying to hold everything together. And there wasn't anybody, including the, the therapist I saw, that could see there was a family system issue there. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with my clients, I look at the family system issue, but in terms of the energetics. you got a muscle problem going on. you got a range of motion thing. You've got a postural issue. Then you've got some limited breathing. Let me know if I'm going too fast. No, and then you got right. your your way your mind is thinking about this. You're you're feeling like, oh, I don't know what to do, and I feel stuck, and it makes me feel frustrated. Now you've got the frustration, and I'll say to them, "Where's your frustration?" I go, "What?" Well, when you feel frustrated, do you feel tightness in your belly? Is your shoulder tightening? Is your jaw locking? Is there a physical, or are you thinking you're frustrated? Then sometimes, oh, I'm just thinking I'm frustrated. Okay, take a deep breath. What are you feeling when you think you're frustrated? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now we're decoding the energetics. Nice. That's the opening into the energetics. Aha. Something very practical rather than, okay, your Kundalini is really closed. They're going to go, well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I don't want to know my Kundalini is closed. I just want to get out of pain. Yeah. So now we're beginning to teach them. You said you education. Them where they're at, you need to have a language <laughs> that they'll understand, right? Yes. They always like speak their language or you're going to, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's not going to work for them. They yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> You said the word education. People need to learn, you know, now obviously if they just have a uh, pain in the muscle and you can rub it out and it goes away, great. Don't get into a big story. Just rub it out and it goes away. But it's not always that simple. Yeah. Otherwise they wouldn't need to see us. They rub their own. Exactly. I mean, whether, whether it's acute, whether it's a fresh issue or chronic issue, like to me, I think there's always a story behind it. I always think that there's yeah. a layer of stress that induced this to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And the more chronic it is, the longer it's been there, the more stress you're compiling onto it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I still think that if you, this sore shoulder just started happening yesterday, huh, well, let's think about what you've been doing and what kind of, because usually what people, um, this can be helpful. It's like people know that stress is, um, in, is influencing, um, you know, our body in some way. People know this, yet they are mm -hmm. not 
taking the time to connect the dots. So, you know, for instance, um, understanding that if your body is starting to hurt, that means that your body has undergone something when we were so out of tune with it, when we were so distracted or busy or not in the moment to listen to its first messages. Mm-hmm. And so like when we have those first messages, they t- can be so subtle, so quiet. But if we're caught up in the moment of doing this and doing that and helping this person and doing that and uh, being all over the place out here and not focused in, you know, tune with our bodies, mm-hmm. then that's where we're going to miss the cue. And that's when things can start to compile. And then if you're always in that pattern of not listening to your body and just being so busy out here that you're not focusing inward, guess what? You're going to get those like compiling like issues in the same area or in different areas. Yeah, totally. Yep. Makes sense. And so you brought up trigger points though. And I let's just kind of revisit that really quick because I think you kind of answered it, but let's talk about those trigger points and how they associate with the body's like defense mechanisms. I think I would call trigger points a message or a messenger. Mm-hmm. I would call waking up with a backache a messenger. I would call chronic pain a messenger. I mean, they have many reasons. It might be a call for help. Maybe your body is saying there's something serious, including a serious medical condition. That happens. Sometimes it starts, like you said, something small. It's trying to get the attention that there's a big problem here. Maybe if you have a hip hip ache or you're you're having trouble walking, you'll start realizing you better see a doctor. That could be true. But in a more day-to-day sense of a trigger point or a limited range of motion, it's it's a messenger about notice the limited range of motion and notice that you're ignoring your posture mm-hmm. or notice that you're not dealing with your stress. And we're going to use the joint of that range of motion to get your attention to your stress levels or how you're living or how you're ignoring your kids or anything. Now, mm-hmm. see if that makes sense or if I went too abstract there. Okay. Yeah. Let's dig into that just a little bit more to connect the dots because let's talk about what a trigger point is first. So people have an understanding on the, the, on the massage therapy, anatomical, physiological, Mm -hmm. like happening, what is a trigger point? Okay. So you have the muscle and there's a sore spot on the muscle. It could also be on the ligament. It could be in the fascia. Mm -hmm. And what's curious is that I actually looked this up because I want to be, when I'm dealing with medical physiological because i'm a generalist i look things up to make sure i have a complete understanding from the medical point of view or the the clinical point of view Mm -hmm. and now okay so you hear me say it's a tight spot or it's an adhesion on the muscle or it's on the ligament or it's in the fascia that was actually a definition and that's kind of why i became a generalist Mm -hmm. we know so much about the body yet we don't really know now, is this is this trigger point actually in the muscle? Is it in the fascia? Is it in the ligament? This was a definition. I could I yeah. could send that quote to you. So okay, it became so like, okay, which one is it? <laughs> that it's like, I'd rather be a generalist and say, well, I know I need to work myofascially here. I need to get into that muscle. I need to see how it's working, affecting the joint that's affecting the ligament and the tendon. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to work that. Then I'm going to work the nerves and I'm going to work this whole area and get a real good, clear map for myself. What's going on with this client or patient? That gives me the precision, understanding biologically what I need to know to do my work, to help them find the root of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this and you have some licensed massage therapists and chiropractors and personal trainers. God just doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay. Well, you do. You're the gen, you're the specialist mm-hmm. and I'll come to you when I have an injury and I need to really work on that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, most people, they, they wake up and they have some tightness or pain. That trigger point, I want to know where it starts. I want to know what it connects to. I want to know where it ends up and I want to know the energetics and it works for me with my clients. Yeah. And, and sometimes a lot of times too, that trigger point can be referring somewhere else. And mm-hmm. so that can kind of help you follow that map as well. Exactly. Yeah. So a trigger point is um, in a, a part, and it's usually a very, very fine tuned specific part 
mm-hmm. of a muscle of the tissues of the fascia that um, it's it's sensitive, especially to pressure, and it can very well refer to another location. So if you're pressing on the shoulder and it you can feel it radiate up your neck, you know, that's a trigger point. And so that that kind of gives you that idea of, okay, well, you know, this muscle could be involved and here it starts at the ligament and blah, blah, blah. And so you start to piece it together on the physiological aspect, but then you're also trying to piece together the energetic aspect and all of that Mm -hmm. at the same time, right? Yeah. So I, I do a lot of yoga therapy in my work. That's what I call it. It's real popular to call it stretching or, um, range of motion or um there's another one uh, structural integration there's all these clinical terms and they're fantastic techniques i do it as being a yoga teacher and i just started applying it into my massages okay they got it they have a trigger point in the deltoid okay let me start to move it and if they could see me now i'd be lifting my arm up and watching the client's range of motion and when does it get stuck and where and where does it radiate to if i don't move that arm I don't really know what's going on. That's true. I could, I could palpate it, as they say, as a chiropractic world. I could use my thumb. I could use my elbow. I could use the palm of my hand. I could press into it. Great. It works. But until I move it, I don't really have enough information for me, the way I work. I don't judge anybody else how they work. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. I've, I've worked with other people who do a lot of like structural integration and, and, um, Mm -hmm. and nerve stripping and stuff like that. And so that's what they do is they really integrate the movements so they can figure exactly where it's traveling and where it's coming from. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that absolutely makes sense. So that's great that you integrate that as well. Well, I'd be so happy to share some of this with you, um, Sway, if you're interested. Obviously, we're not a, in at a massage table, so I can't demonstrate the yoga therapy. But here on a podcast, if you have anything coming up in a more general sense, nothing too personal, uh, would you like to experience something? Sure. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might be TMI, but I guess we'll find out. Um, so where do I start? Do I talk about like what's bothering me physically or stress-wise? Well, it can, it matter. Yeah. <laughs> Lay it all out. Lay it all out. It could work either way. Some people have something specific and I often specialize in like, do you have anything chronic going on? It could be a health or physical or stress issue. And no one's given you the answer or you've gotten all these answers, but it hasn't helped. We could start with something specific going on, or you could just say, no, can you just kind of tune into me and see what you get? We can go either way. Um, Okay. That's great. Um, Well, I don't have a problem sharing with you what I have going on. Um, I'll I'll just jump to it. I'll just share everything. So, um, so obviously, you know, I've been doing massage therapy. I have my own practice for the uh, like seven, eight years. And uh, in 2020, I started school. Um, mm-hmm. I was working on my associate's degree and I am an avid note taker. So like writing my notes um, mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I feel like I might overwrite or I over note take. I like, I don't know what to take notes mm-hmm. on. So I just take mm-hmm. notes of everything. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is during the pandemic for pretty much the whole time I was doing my associate degree. So doing it all online. So taking a lot of notes and doing massage And there might've been a time that I might've carried something wrong or was holding something wrong for too long in my right arm and my dominant arm. And now my writing is uncomfortable and awkward and it doesn't come out very pretty. And Mm. so like my handwriting has gone completely downhill and I've had more specific work uh, done on it recently that seems to help but I still feel like there's so much more involved. I've had it, um, I've had it, uh, uh, assessed, uh, by one person, uh, last year. And they said it was my cricobrigalis coming way up here mm. and running down, which I do feel sensitivity in spots in there. Um, but I feel stuff in like the top of my form, uh, the back of my form, going into my hand and everything. And I get a lot of tension right in this ball right here. Mm-hmm. So I just miss handwriting. Yeah, I, I miss writing. I miss journaling because I don't do it as much because I can't write. <laughs> my compassion, that's something that's so important for you. Not only the joy of writing, but 
you know, when it feels good to be able to take notes and get the information and now you can't really write as easily or there's more. I can't pain. read my own hand. I can't read my own handwriting. Wow. Except. <laughs> well, so obviously I don't know the whole thing. I appreciate you sharing that at the physical level. I, I would have to palpate it as they say, or I have to actually start moving the joint and pressing some points. Um, but it sounds like certainly the joints, but maybe the nerves running between the joints are impinged. And again, I don't know. I could just be giving you a surface thing that's not really getting to the root of it. But the nerves seem impinged, and that seems why there's a deterioration. So where you could write with you know, a little bit of discomfort now, you can't even write it. You can't even read it. That's what it sounds like. I don't know if the fine muscle movement's been affected, which would also affect the brain. Um, not in the sense of... Um, what neurological i don't mean like you have right, a serious right, neurological right. problem but yeah. there's some kind of communication blockage between the, the brains being able to 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 send signals down into the nerves of their fingers on the right hand or the joints something like that that's what i'm getting intuitively so i'm sensing and i certainly don't know the whole thing but if I was to work with you, if we ever got to that point, I would do physical interventions and massage and range of motion and you want to trace the nerves in the, the shoulder and see where it goes down and where it loses energy. But I'd also want to ask you about the mind-body connection with it. And we could do a few minutes of that now. And if you'd rather not, we don't have to. No, but the first fine. question, here's where I start with most clients. I want to understand the anatomical issues, the biological issues is very important. I don't skip them. But I also want to know, what is it like for you that writing has been very important? It's been a, it's been a joy. It's been a sense of power in a way mm -hmm. and creativity. And now you still have it, but it's painful. It's deteriorating. It starts to come back. Then it, then it goes back to not functioning very well. What is this like for you if that's not personal? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, and it's, it can be embarrassing at times because I don't want go. people to see me write and mm -hmm. look at my sloppy handwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I, again, I think it's just, it's frustrating, um, and at times embarrassing. Okay. Thank you for your courage to speak that to an audience, many who probably love you and love your show. Some who've never been here before and don't know you, you're willing to say something yeah. very personal and I it helps all of us. Yeah. We all have embarrassment. We all have, you know, oh, not enough. We all have that stuff. Yeah. So thank you so much for your courage. And I do appreciate my clients. That's one of the healing approaches I use. I thank them for sharing very personal details that even they take for granted because now I'm speaking to the soul of yeah. the body. And that's part of the healing that I do. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that courage. And the um, embarrassment and um, and you've said, said another emotion. Um, frustrating, yeah. Frustrating. Do you feel those or you think you're embarrassed and frustrated? I feel frustrated when I'm trying to write. When and I'm where is that, write, is that symptom of frustration in your body? What's that? Where do you feel frustrated? Do you feel it? Does your guts tighten? Do your shoulders lock up? Do your jaw? Yeah, I probably get tense up in my neck and shoulder area. Okay. So there might be an indirect correlation. There's obviously some physiological stuff going on. This is not just, okay, let's talk it through and everything's fine. I think they need some physical work. But it's interesting that the tightness of the frustration is also up in the same area of the muscle on the right side. I don't know if that's a direct or indirect correlation, or it may have nothing to do with this. But would you be willing to slowly tighten your shoulders, both of them, just hold into that frustration? This is this is so frustrating. It's really embarrassing for me, Sway. I mean, I love writing, and I don't even want people to see that I can't even write, write like a child right now. It's almost what I hear you saying. I don't know. It's so embarrassing. I just feel it for a second and breathe. I notice what it feels like, and if you can't hold it, let it go. Okay. But what's the first when you may go into that? Uh, the negative emotion or the uncomfortable emotion, what happens? What do you notice about the muscles themselves? What do you notice about your breathing, the way you're thinking? Um, yeah, I can tell that my breath gets a little uh, shallower and mm -hmm. I can even feel tension running up into my head a little bit when okay. I'm experiencing that. So of course, from the shoulders going up into my head and usually like when i catch myself doing that like i'm starting to write and i can't and i'm trying to get straightened out i'll feel that tension and then i'll take a deep breath and try to relax and shift and stuff but i, I catch myself when i do feel that frustration i yeah. think you're have feeling tension because you're feeling tension 
you're feeling embarrassed because you feel embarrassed. I'm not judging you. I think this is the process of all of us. I think you're feeling tension because you're feeling tension and it's embarrassing, creating more tension and you're trying to release it like I would just let go and then it's not releasing. Make it okay. You're feeling tension and make it okay. You're feeling embarrassed. I don't mean forever. Mm -hmm. I want you to find the balance and the healing and start writing again if, if that's the highest good for you. Yeah. I want you to enjoy writing and you're writing clearly and people enjoy your writing. But for right now, this temporary moment, can it be okay? It's just not in balance and you're okay with that, just temporarily. I need I need to tell myself that more because I think I the frustration comes from a place of um is this going to be forever? Like, is this ever going to get better? And yeah. even though I feel like I've worked on it myself, I have other people working on it. It just feels like it's just not progressing. It's just not getting better. And so that's where my frustration, I think, lies. It's not just mm -hmm. the immediate as I'm writing, but like, is this ever going to go away? Is this ever going to get better? Yeah. That's a very good question. And I think almost anybody in your situation or it's things I've got going on, it's like, will it ever get better? Will it ever change? Do yeah. I have any control over this? Yeah. Very good, necessary questions. Yeah. Okay. So the, the what I heard you say, Sway, is what's going on right now is that my writing has changed. There's a lot of discomfort. And you're writing almost, I almost, almost sounds like a child now. You're not writing like an adult. It's not clear. You don't seem to have the control over it. And that's pretty embarrassing for your mental reaction. And the soul's got an emotion. So there's a mental reaction in all of us when we have an issue, whether it's a health issue or a life issue. There's the physical experience, the mental reaction, and then the soul, the emotional reaction. And then we start to judge. We start to judge the re reaction we're having to the reaction. And then we judge that we're judging. Yeah. This is kind of the cycle most people go through. So my work is to say, can it be okay just for right now? I don't want you to have writing problems soon. I want you to go back to loving your writing and get the wisdom or lesson of this. So it's not only going to help your writing, something's going to be amazing. When you learn the wisdom of this, whatever's a limitation will become your gift or your power. That's my guess about the energy. Yeah. And see yeah. how that feels. Yeah. I mean, that honestly, I think it does help to hear that, to just be okay with it in the moment because, you know, that frustration, like I said, it may be in the moment and then it goes to, will this ever get better? And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it is good to bring myself back to the present moment and say, it's okay right now. It's okay. Like, yeah, you're yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Right. Thank you. And take a slow, deep breath into I'm okay. I'm still having all these emotional discomfort and physical discomfort and my hands like not feeling strong right now. And here I am in yeah. this now. Yeah. And notice what's the next, take a deep breath. And what's the next body feeling, emotional sensation or thought coming up with the next step of the healing, whatever that is healing is. Mm. What are you aware of now? Your right arm, hand, the muscle, your thoughts, your feelings, your body awareness, breath. I think I'm now focusing more on the integration of the whole instead mm. of just focusing. Because when I was talking about this, I feel it more. You know, when I feel, mm. um, you know, the crago and the bicep and running down my forearm, like when I talk about it, I feel it more. And so if I try to bring myself to the whole self, to the whole body, um, it takes away from that frustration and embarrassment mm -hmm. of the attention that I had focused mm -hmm. on that right side. So, yeah, that helps. Yeah. I have one more question, and that'll probably be a good stopping point. But, of course, if you want to keep going, I'm happy to. You could ask your higher self now. The higher self could mean let's breathe into the higher chakras, like the crown, which is above our head, or the third eye above our forehead, the eyebrows, or into your heart. I, I sway I'm experiencing this right hand, right arm, shoulder thing. But I'm going to take a moment and relax that and let it be okay and go into the higher self and see if there's some guidance, why I'm going through this or what I'm learning from it, what's good about it or what it's trying to get lead me to. And see if you get something or not. Take a few minutes if you want and breathe. Yeah. Um, the fact that I am not so dependent on it anymore, mm. at least for the time being, for writing, it's not like I have to write. 
Um, it's not like it, like my job requires me to be writing, handwriting a lot, or I'm not massaging a lot. So it's not like I'm having to use it like mm -hmm. I used to. And so I think that's kind of a relief. Like, yeah. And I think it is about like slowing down when I am note taking too. I don't need to rush mm -hmm. through it. And for me, it's usually a rush for some reason. I don't know why, but I feel rushed to write. And so I can take time and so, slow down and write slower too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, take a slow, deep breath as you acknowledge maybe a small benefit from a difficult challenge. If it's ever appropriate where I could actually give you a healing session where we could do the, the hands-on and I do mm -hmm. some of the yoga therapy, I would. Obviously, yeah. if that's insensitive or uh, crossing the line here, I apologize, but um, no. that's available for you. Uh, oh, I appreciate it. Well, yeah, I mean, we could always do a trade too, so I'm happy mm -hmm. to give you a, a session too. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, of my style, of course. <laughs> no, 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 no you have to, to do my you. way. Stop. I'm not trying on. to mimic you. Right? <laughs> um, anyways, I'll do your style and you do mine. <laughs> that was really helpful, though. That like really helped me conduct some dots that like, mm -hmm. you know, I have these thoughts and feelings and everything. And then this is happening. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Those probably yeah. are related. So awesome. that makes sense. So. Um, so what would you say is important for one to achieve balance in their well-being? We're just talking about that balance between my left and right side. Now let's mm. talk about like what, what is important for one? Like, so what kind of tips and suggestions would you give for somebody wanting to achieve this balance in their well-being? I, I'm sure there's way more. The question of balance is maybe the biggest question in life of many essential questions Mm -hmm. finances, family or relationship, um, you know, eating healthy foods, exercise. There's so many important things in life. But maybe the first step is can we love and accept ourselves even when we have challenges and limitations, even when life has changed and things we could do before aren't the same, whether it's getting older or, um, you know, career. I mean – COVID and everything that's happened since has been good in one way, but very disruptive. And I think people are trying to find their balance mm -hmm. and it's a lot harder now. I think it's way harder, but there's also this amazing light happening. So getting back to your question, can we be okay that we're not as good enough as we want to be or things aren't even as good as they used to be? Yeah. So no. Can you find your okayness even okay. when life isn't okay? I like <laughs> the simplest that. way Can to you say find that. Your okayness even though life isn't okay. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. That can awesome. be very helpful. Well, then can we segue into, you know, a takeaway message for the listener today? Maybe it's believe in yourself. I mean, I've shared some of my story, getting kicked out of the grad school in psychology, getting kicked out of massage school. I've had a, a number of other failures, the love of my life, and then she moved on. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I believe in myself, and I still question myself. Okay, why have I had all these things? What am I learning? Why haven't I had an amazing life where I've been thriving out of my millions of dollars? And been, I know this work should be in every clinic in the country, and it's not. Um, may, believe in yourself anyway. And be also be willing to face yourself. And like, you know, like I said, I have big ego that caused me to get kicked out. It wasn't like I was a victim. Mm -hmm. I contributed to that. Mm -hmm. And I learned immense from it. And, you know, there's always a better way. Listen to yourself and find compassion for yourself. And maybe be more tolerant of other people because you don't know what they're going through. They're, you know their challenges, their judgments of themselves, their hopes. We all and have dreams. stories, right? We all yeah, have stories. Definitely. Yeah. Take a deep breath when somebody isn't treating you well, and you can still be angry or hurt or not want to talk to them, but just understand what they might be going through equal or worse than what you have. Yeah. I think the world needs that now. I certainly need to offer more of that to people. Absolutely. I think yeah. we all can. Yeah. Great. <sighs> Wonderful. I love that. All right. So to wrap this up, we're going to do the quick fire round. Uh, this is the title of this is called Fixed Fucked Freed. 
And this is a series of three questions that's related to your personal or uh, healing or growth journey. Okay, Paul? So your personal healing or growth journey. So here are the questions. First one is what is something that temporarily fixed you like a Band-Aid? It worked for a little bit, but it was not a long-term solution for you. A temporary fix. I don't see anything I've ever done in personal growth as a temporary fix. And I did help me then, but, you know, really it wasn't my, what I really needed. And I realized later it was a waste of time. No, I'm still using what I did. And, and, you know, it isn't like, oh boy, I wasted my time and my money. I should have just become a banker and had a great stable career. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> the one, the next one is what royally fucked you over from the beginning. So, what was not a good choice for your healing or growth journey from the get-go? Uh, I'm sure there's many answers. My rebelliousness has been very powerful, uh-huh. and it's made me a much more expansive healer than many people. Mm-hmm. And my rebelliousness has cost me the stability of my career, and. Um, I would have met a lot more people had I been able to blend mm-hmm. the new with the traditional and not thrown the traditional away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then the freed one is the one that like where you really feel like it freed you and it really helped your healing or growth journey in the long run. I'll say this. I don't know if it's, going to kind of answer the question but studying with enlightened masters okay and it's a being with enlightened masters they're talking about love and they're talking about meditation and peace and that's the easy part Mm -hmm. but the hard part is studying with enlightened teachers it's constantly challenging me to go higher and to question myself and say what I think I believe or what's right or even what I'm feeling or am I justified to feel this or you know, okay, let me look at it again. Mm-hmm. And it's been the greatest blessing to see things from a larger perspective and the biggest challenge at the same time. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you uh, coming on here today and sharing all of this. And it sounds so intriguing. And I am so thankful that you were willing to give a demo so I could experience what it would be like to receive a session from you. And I think that, I mean, it was helpful. Like, I really think that I can go from there and and really start to um, take this on in a different perspective and a different approach. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate you taking the time, Paul, to come on here today. Thank you. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And I'm so happy for the listeners that got to hear this great conversation. Absolutely. And of course, your information will be in the description of this episode so that our listeners can check in. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again so much and have a wonderful rest of your day. I will. And you too. Thanks, Way. Wow. What another incredible message. Thank you again for being with me on the Healing Compass podcast today. Refer to the episode description for all of the links and information regarding my guest, my link tree, and how to get in touch with me. This podcast is meant to be a guide. You are the navigator of your healing and growth. You hold the compass. Take from this what resonates for you, and it's important to seek professional help as necessary. No therapy mentioned in my podcast is meant to be a replacement for medical or mental health treatment. I'm your host, Lori Crow, aka Sway. And until next time, be the energy you want to attract. You're beautiful. You matter, and you have all that you need. Be well.